I'm talking about temperature. A lot of attitude. You're on. Okay. The parish is Korach. The parish is Korach. Korach is, uh, in some ways, the most interesting story in the Torah, I think. Because Korach, Rashi taught us. I mean, after all, we, uh, what we know, we know from Rashi. And Rashi taught us, if you look at the first Rashi, if you first look at the first Rashi in, uh, in the Pasha, Pasha Zoyofe Nidreshet Medrash Rabbi Tadchuma. It's like Rashi says, his introduction to the Pasha of Torah is that if you only read the words, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to really understand, not understand the idea, but you won't understand what's happening. And therefore, Rashi tells you that a good idea would be to look at the Medrash Tanfuma. The Medrash Tanfuma, the Rashi quotes a lot of the Medrash Tanfuma. But this is a certain uh, position that Rashi has. That there's a story behind the story. And what's in the Torah is only the kind of veneer to the story. Why that is so, I mean, we could speculate. But after all, we're talking about personalities. And personalities, when you talk about personalities, you talk about Lashon Hara. And the more you say, the more it gets closer to Lashon Hara. So the Torah probably wanted to avoid that. On the other hand, if that's the case, why would the Medrash Tanchuma be more liberal than the Torah? Or the Medrash Tanchuma tell us a story. So this we'll have to see. The story, story begins by Ikach Torah ben Yitzhar ben Gad ben Levi. Ridatan Vaviran ben Ebene Eliav, Von Ben Pelet Bene Ruvein. Disparate people, right? They're not really connected to each other. I just don't feel that cold air blowing in. You did? You did? Oh. Must be the pores in my skin are not the. Thing is, I remember a world without air conditioning. That's why I like it so much. The young people sitting in a room is not air conditioned. It's like a new experience, like going to a jungle or something. (laughs) For me, it's just a bad memory. So Korach, he had a name, right? Korach ben Yitzhar ben Gad ben Levi. He had a long name. The reason I noticed that he had a long name, one of the reasons is that the other people mentioned they don't have such long names. Datan Vaviram, they just Datan Vaviram, ben Eliab, like one generation. Von ben Pelet, ben Eruven, again, one generation. But you remember that Rashi says, according to the Midrash, that the verb vayikach, that the verb vayikach, the verb lakach, has a special meaning in this case. And that special meaning is lakach atatzbo l'tzad echad. Liyot nechlak mitot cha'edal orer la'kuna. So Rashi tells us the story. That the issue was kuhuna. And we know that since Korach was one of the B'nai Levi, that he was also a candidate for Kuhuna, because the Kohen Gadol, which was appointed by Moshe Rabbeinu, 
was from the family of Laban. It happens that Moshe Rabbeinu appointed Aharon, I mean, based on the directive that he received from heaven. And he didn't appoint Korach, but in theory, he could have appointed Korach, because Korach was of the same was from the same family. So Rashi tells us right away that there's an issue. And the issue has to do with the Kuhuna. So according to the Pasuk, besides the people mentioned in Pasuk Aleph, there were another 250 significant people. Like people of of importance. Uh, in the Pasuk they're called Nisie Eida, Kriemo Eid, and Sheshe. Right? Th- those are all synonyms for important. Now, as Rashi explains to us, if, uh, if uh, Korach, who was a lady, was fighting about Kahuna, then the other people in this discussion we're not fighting about it. they didn't come for the Kuhuna because they were not B'nai Levi Datan uh, Vavira uh, <laughs> was not but uh, the sons of Eliab and Om Ben Pelet B'nai Ruvay and the 250 came from all the different tribes so that Korach had a specific issue but the others must have had some other issue that they came about in other words it was like uh, a combination of forces, of disgruntled forces. Right? Karak was disgruntled about what he was disgruntled about, and the others were disgruntled about something else, and that's a good way to create a political party. Right? You get people who are unhappy, and you put them together, and you call it a party. So Karak had a party of disgruntled people. Now, the Torah doesn't tell us what they're disgruntled about. Rashi told us, because later on the Torah does mention it, that Korach was unhappy about the Kuna. But we don't know what everybody else was unhappy about. But what the Torah does tell us is what their ideological position. You know, you have a party. The party, the people in the party probably dislike each other immensely. But then they make a uh, platform. And the platform has nothing to do with their real issue, which is uh, kabod or uh, position... But that's their real issue. So they make a platform in which they argue, argue some kind of ideological premise. What was the platform of these, of these people? Let's look at Raji. This is what they said. They, they, they made a kind of a statement that's hard to disagree with. They said, Kol Everybody is, uh, is holy. Why is everybody holy? Because everybody was at Har Sinai. And everybody received the Torah. Certainly that was a, a formulating event in the history of the people. So how can you, how can you claim to be better than, different from, other than everybody else because we're all basically together I mean of course they forgot the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu is the only one who went up on Har Sinai but still uh, 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 that's the way they, they understand it they understand that everybody is everybody is so if we look at the Rashi 
Rashi says, Kulab Kedoshim. You see the Rashi, the fourth wide line. Kulab Shamud Varim Sinai Vipi Hadvura. Like if you, if you level it a little bit, like you say, just being in Har Sinai, that makes you better than everybody else who came before you. And we don't have to distinguish Moshe Rabbeinu from everybody else, because Moshe Rabbeinu, whatever, we don't understand. I mean, there's no argument here. Badu Atit Nasu, Em Lakachta Tamalchut, Lo Yalchala Varel Lachicha Kuna, that's what the Medrash says. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're the Melech, which of course is not true. Right? Because that's what they say. When you have a political party and you have a platform, it's not it's all right to say something that's not true. As long as it sounds good. So what did they say about Moshe Rabbeinu? They said, You took kingship. It's true that Moshe Rabbeinu was like a king. But it's not true that he was a king. Because one of the determining features of kingship is that your children inherit you. And there's no doubt that the children of Moshe Rabbeinu did not inherit him. Who inherited Moshe Rabbeinu? Yoshua Benu. Yoshua Benu was certainly not one of his children. So while he had power and authority, he didn't have Malchut. Malchut has a very special kind of uh, 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 definition in the Halakha, in the Torah. Melech gives Malchut over to his children. So Moshe Rabbeinu was a leader. He was a leader, what was called at later times, we call a charismatic leader. He was a leader because he was the right person for the job. Because he had the talent and the ability for the job. But he wasn't a king. He wasn't a king. He was, he was, his leadership is going to die with him. Right? He's not going to have his children as leaders. But that's what the Medrash says. If lo now this is a kind of a, again a lie why did Moshe Rabbeinu give the kuhuna to his brother <laughs> because HaKadosh Baruch told him to not because it was his idea so you lie a little bit right, in order to make your position a little clearer he says Lo atem levatchem shmatem b'sinai anokhe Hashem alokhecha cholayz right you're not unique you and your brother in this regard but everybody heard everybody heard Kodesh uh, uh, speak at Har Sinai so you go back to that uh, that Pasuk Pasuk Gimel Vaikaloa Moshev Al-Rav Yomel Hev Rav Lachem Kikol Aidaku Lam Kedoshim Vutoch Hav Hashem Vaduot Itnasu Okahal Hashem I mean there's an unbeatable argument here there's no, nothing you can say if that's the case. If Moshe Rabbeinu arbitrarily chose Aaron, he's not a bad choice. But still, it turns out that the two leaders have to be brothers. And that was the argument. This argument is so good that it says, which means that Moshe Rabbeinu, who could argue almost any case, and even argue against the Rebbeinu Shlomo, right? The Chaita Eliel, Moshe Rabbeinu argued that you have to keep the Jews alive. Others, who knows what will happen? In this case, Moshe Rabbeinu really had no response. By this is not a response, but he says that God has agreed. Love at the Kadosh love. 
there'll be a test. There'll be a siman. Moshe Rabbeinu is not able to argue against Korah. He's not able to. He has no logical argument which he can, with which he can trounce Korah Radatov and bring them all into line. But Moshe Rabbeinu says there'll be a nisayon, a test. God will run the test, and God will show you who He wants as Kohen Gadol. That's what. Uh, <laughs> That's what it says. Zosasu, kulechem machtot, korach vechol adatot. Korach vechol adatot. So he says, this is what you should do. You drink these censers, you know, these like frying pans. And then well, there'll be a korban, and, and, so, and somehow it'll be discovered. If you look at Pasuk Zai, the two of them, Eish, Vesibol, and Ketoret, so there's some sort of a test and there'll be a choice and the winner will take will take everything now let's look at the uh, at this question Moshe Rabbeinu says to them as though an expletive at the end he says there's going to be a test Rav Lachem what does Rav Lachem B'nei Levi mean? Uh, you've had enough. You, you, you're, I mean, of course, they, they say they haven't had enough. And who's Rav Lachem B'nei Levi? Of course, it's Korach. And all the people with Korach. It's the Korach argument that we're dealing with. So look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rav Lachem B'nei Levi, Davar Gadol Amarti Lachem. Davar Gadol Amarti Lachem. I don't know exactly what Rashi means. The Vagadol I've told you a great thing. I mean, I'm giving you a, a great opportunity. This is like a great thing that's going to happen. I mean, obviously, you should understand. You, B'nai Levi, you, Korah, should understand that if I'm organizing this test, that I'm confident that I'm going to win. So, Rav Lachem B'nai Levi could mean back down now. You still have a chance. I mean, I may not have an argument that I can bring to bear on this situation. But you know that I'm going to win. Because I'm speaking in the name of God. And God is running the test. And, and God is the one who told me that I should appoint Aaron. Rav Lochem Levi. Change your attitude. Don't look for more cover. Because you're going to lose. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu says to Bnei Levi. He doesn't, he doesn't have an argument. But he says, you know. You know that you're going to lose. So why get involved? I mean, you'll, it's a life and death situation. Who knows what will happen if you don't, uh, if you don't give in. Now look at Rashi. Rashi says, assuming this pay, this shot, the vagadol amati lachem. Then Rashi quotes the Medjush with the following, the following statement. Lotip shimhayu shikachit rabahem so he says, This is the basis of understanding the story according to Chazal. I mean, either you're talking about either you're talking about juvenile delinquents, people who have nothing to do, and therefore they're going to go and have a riot in town and come out against against the Moshe Rabbeinu, or 
they have a significant position that the Torah has to warn us about. And so the Medrash says, Lo tipshimayu. How come they didn't listen to Moshe Rabbeinu? How come they didn't understand that it was God who wanted Aaron to be the Kohen? How come it was that these people were willing to stand up against Moshe Rabbeinu and even to participate in this test? Who would do such a thing? I mean, they knew that they hadn't got, they didn't have a leg to stand on. So this is the basis of the Chazal interpretation of the story of Torah. The, 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 the kernel of it. And the kernel of it is Velotip Shim they said, okay, we want to give the sacrifice. We want to be in the competition with Aaron. We want to. How did they come to such a conclusion? I mean, okay, public relations, television ads, uh, 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 fake kinds of, uh, of, uh, of conversation and debate. All that I understand. When push comes to shove, and you might actually suffer a, 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 a death penalty, you would think they would run away because they knew that they hadn't got a they hadn't like to stand on. Ela and Khatual Nafshotam Shinemar Ed Mahtota Khata Ima Elu Bi Nafshotam. They they were willing to sacrifice themselves for this. So that the answer that Rashi gives in the Medrash is not perfectly clear. But the question is perfectly clear. The question is, Now the Medrash goes on and Rashi quotes the same question about Korah. Listen to this. The Medrash says, uh, four lines on the bottom of the Rashi, the Korah, you know that word in Hebrew, pikeach? That's two meanings. One is the regular meaning that you're all smiling about, which means he was a clever fellow. Another meaning of the word pikeach is that he could see. A person who is a pikeach is a person who could see as opposed to somebody who's blind. Right? Pikeach means you could see. Pikeach means you understand, that you're clever. So Rashi, the Rashi quotes the Medjus and says, the Korah, Shepiteach Korah was a guy who could see things, Mara'ah zo. I mean, after all, it's okay. You understand that Korah that, that is interested in cover, that Korah is interested in power, that Korah wants to have a, like a theoretical fight with Moshe Rabbeinu. But you mean he's going to take a sword? A, a dual joust with Moshe Rabbeinu? Of course not. He knows he's wrong. He knows that there's something wrong with his argument. How did he do this? How did he continue this, uh, this, this discussion? You know, Moshe Rabbeinu said, okay, God is going to decide. There's going to be a, a nisayon, a test from heaven. So if you are Korach, you'd say, okay, uh, that's it. You know, I'll go and, and retire to my farm in Texas or something. That's what you would say. You would say, okay, let's fight it out. I mean, that's crazy. So the Chazal put it in this way, the Korach, Shepikeach Hayah, Mara Adeshtut, that's the word, Shtut. Like, 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 it's really, it's really, uh, answer, Eino Hatatot, Eino is I. Remember Pikeach? Pikeach means he can see. He looked carefully with his eye. 
and he made a mistake. Ra'a shalshelet gedola yotzeit mimen. He saw in his mind's eye that his descendants would be people of great significance. Shmuel sheshaku kineged Moshe ve'aron. And that his, his descendant would be Shmuel, who was Shavel of Moshe Ve'aron. We say every Friday night in Tehillim, Moshe Ve'aron, the Kohanav, Shmuel Ve'aron, the Kohanav. That's what we say. There's also uh, just a posting in Divrei Ayomim, Divrei Ayomim Aleph Perig Vav. Right, they're talking about the uh, the Levian who serve in the Beit Hamikdash. Uh, they take turns, right? They're called Mishmarot. They take turns in serving in the Beit Hamikdash during the year. Uh, the Pesukim has got a rather long uh, pedigree here. Heiman Hamishorer. Heyman, the name of the appears in Tehillim also. Heyman was the was the uh, poet Ben Yoel Ben Shmuel. He was the son of the son of Shmuel. Ben Elkanah, Ben Yerucham, Ben Eliel, Ben Toach, Ben Suf, Ben Elkanah, Ben Michat, Ben Amasha. Ben Elkanah, Ben Yoel, Ben Azariah, Ben Svanyan, Ben Tachat, Ben Asir, Ben Aviyasaf, Ben Korach, Ben Yitzhar, Ben Gahat, Ben Levi, Ben Yisrael. So now we know the answer to our first question. Maybe it wasn't a question. And the answer to that question is why is Korach, the question was why is Korach given a pedigree of generations? The first pasuk, the first pasuk says, "Vayikach Korach, Ben Yitzhar Ben Kahat Ben Levi, Ben Yitzhar Ben Kahat Ben Levi." Right, three generations. We don't know why all the others are listed with one generation. So the answer is because this is the proof that the family of Shmuel and the family of Korach are the same family because the Pesach in, in Divrei Hayamim says that the Korach we're talking about is Ben Yitzhar Ben Kahat Ben Levi and there's no doubt that it must be the same Korach now if you go back in the, that generation you're not going to find two people with the same list of, uh, of, uh, of uh, ancestors so it turns out that Shmuel Hanavi Shmuel Hanavi <laughs> was the direct descendant of Korach. So now, why did Korach act so foolishly at this time? Why did he think that he would be able to survive the test against Moshe Rabbeinu? Because he had a vision. He was able to see the future. And the future that he saw was the future with the future with Shmuel Hanavi and since Shmuel Hanavi is equal to Moshe and Aaron 
he assumed he assumed that he must have some kind of uh, a, a special position in the eyes of heaven and that even though for anybody else this argument would be ridiculous the argument that he made that I deserve instead of Aaron Akoin that he thought for himself this would be a reasonable argument so you learn two things so Chazal you learn two things so Chazal I think that are important one is that Chazal strives to make sense out of the story on a more significant level they didn't want to say that this is the story with you know, some guy named Korach who, who had lost his mind and tried to, to uh, attack the, stand, uh, the, uh, the uh, standing of Moshe Rabbeinu in the community but rather that Korach somehow found a wedge he found a way in which he thought that attacking Moshe Rabbeinu would actually work because by attacking Moshe Rabbeinu by attacking Moshe Rabbeinu he was simply reflecting the future history that he happened to know about because he had some other quality and that's what that's what the uh, uh, the uh, the Medrash says we know that possible he said, well, I mean, uh, if, if Shmuel is my unborn great-great-great-great-grandson, but he's not going to come into the world if I don't live. So I have an insurance policy. I have an insurance policy. And, uh, and therefore, I'm definitely going to get through this. I'm going to get through this test no matter what, because God has predetermined that I'm going to live in order that my son, 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 Shmuel, should also should also live. Bishvilo Okay, one more thing I'd like you to know is that if you look in the Psukim uh, later on, where the Torah tells us that everybody died and the pit opened up, it's not clear when Korach died or if he died. It's not clear in the Torah. But one thing is clear in the Torah, and that's a pasuk at the end of the Bamidbar. If you turn the, the, the page, you see that there is a reference right to the death of Torah at the end of Bamidbar. So that Korach, according to the Torah later on, was killed in this, in this event. But the Torah quickly goes on to say, right, the same Pasuk, Uvenei Korach Lo Meitu. Uvenei Korach Lo Meitu. So what was Korach's mistake? Korach was not sure well, what was Korach's mistake I mean, Korach thought that he had to live right Korach thought that he had to live but he has children so look at Rashi it was who were the first recruits to the Korach enterprise B'nai Korach they were with him all the time but at the time that, uh, that this was going on they said they, they didn't say they didn't have a good eye 
But weren't able to see the future. They said, how can we, we're really in trouble. We're coming up against a test of Moshe Rabbeinu. We're going to get killed. So here are Tshuva Belibam. So they decided to become Balei Tshuva. Okay, that's what the Medjur says. So they got a good spot in Gehenim. I don't know what that means. This is the good spot, the bad spot. But if there is a difference, they were in the good spot. So, what was Korah's mistake? What was Korah's mistake? Korah thought. Korah thought. Imagine. Imagine Korah. Korah's the father. What did he think was going to happen at the, uh, at the test? His sons would get killed. And then he would not be alive because he could have more children. If he had more children, he hasn't jeopardized, he hasn't jeopardized the future. The future is that Shmuel Anavi would be a son of Korah. So he could be a son of a son that already exists, or a son of a son that doesn't exist as yet. That's what, that's, what Korah, that's what Korah said. He saw that his sons were like all enthusiastic about this revolt. He said, okay, maybe they'll die, but I won't die. That's what they said. So the sons, according to the measures, the sons tricked Korah. How'd they trick Korah? They were Choser Betshuva. So if they're Choser Betshuva, then the future is not jeopardized. The children of the sons of Korah will continue to exist. Korah will die. So Korah, Korah made two mistakes. Right? He made a mistake about, about God's interest in him living. And then he made a mistake about the fact that he didn't have to be a father of new children, but his own children might do tshuva. That's the story. So this is the way Chazal tells the story. This is the way Chazal tells the story of Korah. Now there are other elements to the story. Yes, it's true. What would Natan Baviram doing there? What was old Ben Pellet doing there? What were the 250? What were they all? Everybody had their own gripes. It's another part of the story. But this is the story of Korah, according to Chazal. Or at least one of the stories that Chazal said about Korah. That Korah somehow felt that he was immune from the punishment of the test and therefore he was willing to go ahead with it. Why did he think that he was immune? Because he was a pikeach. Pikeach means that he saw the future. What was the future? That he'd have a son, a son, a son, a son, whose name was Shmuel. And Shmuel was equated with Moshe and Aaron, and therefore that important personality, Shmuel, had to come into the world, so he felt that that somehow created a defense for himself. As far as his own sons were concerned, he probably thought, and this is not in Chazal, but this I'm adding on, he probably thought that they would be killed in the, in the test, since they were enthusiastic, but they didn't have an eye in and I and Shiro'ah, they didn't, they didn't know the future, they didn't know what the issue was. So Korah thought we'd all go for the test, they would be killed, I would continue to live. And then I would be able to have more children who would then be the progenitors of Shmuel Hanavi. According to Rashi, according to the Medrash, his sons tricked him by doing Shuva, and they removed themselves from the contest. Korah died, the children lived, and Shmuel came into the Shmuel came into the world. Okay, let's look at Rabbi Nosson. We haven't learned we haven't learned a section of Rabbi Nosson for some time, so let's try. Rabbi Nosson says this. Right now we know that. So the Rabbi Nosson says 
Rav Nosson says, that's what Chazal said. Rasha Shalit Gedolayot Zeti Menu Shmuel Bene Obanav Vesuv Arba Mishmerot Haidu Kiyal Yedei Zeta'a In other words, Haidu Rav Nosson is trying to explain something. Up to now, that's what Chazal said. Haidu Kiyal Yedei Zeta'a Vitlabesh HaYetze Hara Etzlo B'Mitzvot Kidarko he says, the Yetzirah, the Yetzirah, Hitlabesh, took on the form, took on the form of, of doing good, of, of a mitzvah, of something positive. It, is, it, like it got you to do something negative by making you think you were doing something positive. He says, Kisavar, Shekvod Hashem Yitbarach Ligalot, Kimelot Kol Haaretz Kvodo, Raui Liyot Al Yado. So, he was thinking about it. He, Korach, this is the way Rav Nosson thinks. Korach, what did what, what Korach, Korach say? He didn't just say, as I said, Pshat. Rav Nosson saying a different Pshat. What I said was, that if Shmuel is Shmuel, so Korach has to live because he's got to produce the offspring called Shmuel. But Rav Nassim says something else. That the Yetzirah, or the, the, the evil in him, showed him that he's going to have a great-great-grandson named Shmuel. Shmuel is going to have a particular job in Jewish history. And that job in Jewish history, in the third, if you look at the third line, Shekvod Hashem Yitbarach Ligalot Himalokal Arts Kvodo Ra'uliot Al Yado. Like, what is a Novi? What is a Novi? A Novi is not only a person who brings a message to B'nai Israel, but a Novi is a person who lives a certain kind of exalted life. And even when he's not talking, he's bringing the message of God. He's bringing the, what Dara says, Kavod Hashem. He is uh, uh, bringing to the table the glory of God. The fact that living with God is different than living without God. That's what Shmuel Hanavi did. So, Ra'ui liyot al yado me'achar shezakavod tzuchim legalot midor ledor. So he felt, he, Korah, felt that this quality this ability to, to reveal God in the world is something that runs in the family. It's not something that, it's not a genetic aberration. And therefore Shmuel, the, the idea that Shmuel could do this, could be a prophet for the Jewish people, is not only a statement about Shmuel, but it's also a statement about Shmuel's father and his grandfather. It's like, 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 like there are elements. Like there's a great Talmud Chacham whose father was not a great Talmud Chacham. But his father must have had elements in him, must have had qualities which enabled the next generation to be produced. I mean, we're not saying it in a kind of a more spiritual way. We're saying it in a kind of a pragmatic way, right? We all know that children... That, uh, that children come from their parents. Uh, it's not just a physical statement, but you can recognize them. They look like their parents, they sound like their parents, they walk like their parents. They don't have... They don't, it's, it is true that certain talents are more developed 
in one generation or the other but there's no doubt about the relationship that there's a passing down of, of qualities from the parents to the children so if Shmuel was the great prophet and he was he was certainly the great prophet because he was the only prophet who came close to integrating Malchut into prophecy right, you remember? that they came to Shmuel and they said uh, let's have a king and Shmuel said, forget it you don't need a king what do you mean you don't need a king? you have me? you have me? so what do you mean you have me? I'm the Navi but I'm also the king he was the only one he was the first one he was, uh, I mean, if you exclude Moshe Rabbeinu and then the Pesach in Tillim says Shmuel was like Moshe and Aaron together imagine that how can you be like Moshe and Aaron? well he was like that spiritual person the Navi but he was also the Dayan the Shofet you remember that the children of Shmuel and Avi were not as good as he was right? he was he was a judge a judge is a Shevet and Shevet is Malchus so that, that Shmuel Hanavi, Shmuel Hanavi was the only Navi who almost grabbed Malchus away until Akadosh Baruch said no you have to appoint a king and Shaul HaMelech was appointed by Shmuel Hanavi so we talked about this generation so here's Korach looking at his great grandson Shmuel and he's saying you know Shmuel he brought this into the world this kavod, this idea that God's glory is there it must be in the generations I've got to have it also I'm also like that maybe not as extreme not as well talented right but you say if you have a if you have a child that plays the piano so you have to say well I could have done that also I didn't but maybe I could have because because it's got to come from somewhere it doesn't come from nowhere this idea that uh, that, that children have talents and their parents don't have those talents developed but they must be in there in their son that's what he said and he said obviously there's a need for this in every generation and that's why everybody needs to produce in the world banim and almidim that replace you in the world that replace your special qualities in the world and since he saw that his family is the family that is doing this great enterprise even though even though he said the argument that Karach said was Kulam Kedoshim they were all at Har Sinai but that's not what he really thought about himself he didn't say I'm not, I'm not asking for this because I was at Har Sinai I'm asking for this because I have a my family is more impressive than the family of Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu's family comes to an end his family does not accept the responsibility in the generations of Kovod Hashem it doesn't matter how unique Moshe Rabbeinu was in his generation it doesn't matter that, that Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Torah down from heaven and gave it to B'nai Israel, because that's the end of the, of the, of the, the, the job 
of Moshe Rabbeinu. But me, Korach, I'm in charge of the generations. All the generations are dependent upon me. Kibar Metzat Sadiq, I'm in line 7. Shetzarich Lahair Dadat Akadosh Ba'olam Vadai Rawi Jelo Akavod. Shevo Kol Yisrael Elav Lechabdo. Kedesh Yuchu Lechabdo Meda Torah Vadat. He says, so if I, Korach, am a reflection of Shmuel, and I can do what Shmuel did, maybe not as much, so certainly I deserve to have the position which will enable people to come to me and to get this quality that I can, that I can, I, that I can give over. Kishorash HaTorah Hu Kavod Dikidusha. Shorash HaTorah, the root of everything is giving honor to sanctity. If you want to give honor to sanctity, you have to have somebody who points the finger at it. This is sanctity. This is where the kavod is. This is what we should, this is what we should be uh, 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 doing. <coughs> and he says, line 9, because Rabbi Nachman thought that the generations were important, that teaching children was important, that teaching Talmidim was important. Yinchalo is nachala, is an inheritance. Kavod chachamim, yinchalo. That this factor, this feature of, of human response is an inheritance. You can't learn it intellectually. Those who give me honor will receive honor. And that's what Korah said. Korah said, if I'm the one who's going to enlighten everybody, that I should be the one who has the position. so up to now, so Rav Nazar says this. What was, what was, what was Korach's mistake? Korach's mistake was that he thought that if his great grandson was Shmuel, he was also Shmuel. That was the mistake. It wasn't a mistake, a biological thing that he said, oh, if Shmuel's going to be my grandson, certainly God will keep me alive because maybe I have to have a son who's going to be, I mean, since my own sons will probably be killed, as we said before, it wasn't that at all. Korach's mistake was, according to Rav Nosson, was that Korach thought that if Shmuel was a direct descendant of his, and we know that that's emphasized in the Pesach of Dibra Yomim, that he was Shmuel. Maybe not as great as Shmuel, but he was a Shmuel-type person. And because of that, he came to the conclusion that he was now, after Matan Torah, more important than Moshe Rabbeinu, more important than Aaron, because they did what they did. But, but he was going to bring Shmuel into the world. He was going to bring the Kabod Hashem into the world. That's how you compare to that. So then the Rav goes on and says... He says, He says, Rav Nosson made a mistake. 
Korach made a mistake. Korach didn't realize or didn't remember or didn't consider that Zehat Sadiq Shemakabela Kabod Sarit Shiyah Nabgadol Bitachlit Bifchinat Moshe Vyeborech Minakabod Behemetla Mito Vloi Kabela Kabod Latsmo Rak Luman Kabod Hashem Yitbarak Kedeshi Uchali Yedezela Iradat Bolamito Ledorkana. So Korach didn't understand. Up to now, Korach's reasoning is perfect. Korach, let's say Korach's reasoning is perfect. Korach says, then Shmuel, Shmuel is the man who's going to teach the, the Jewish people about Kovod Hashem. I'm the father. I also have that quality. And therefore, I should get, I should get Kovod. If I get Kovod, I should get Kovod. He missed out this one little point. When Moshe Rabbeinu died, Right, the epitaph that Moshe Rabbeinu received was Anav Mikol Adam. Wasn't just that he was Anav. Like you say, a person is redheaded, right, or he's tall, or he's short. The Moshe Rabbeinu is Anav. It means that in order for Moshe Rabbeinu to be Moshe Rabbeinu, he had to be the most humble person in the world. It wasn't that he happened to be. It wasn't like you know when sometimes people die. And you look for something to write on the tombstone, you don't know exactly what you should write, right? Because that's how you, that's how it turns out. Moshe Rabbeinu, could have written almost anything that you could imagine on the tombstone of Moshe Rabbeinu. And what did HaKadosh Baruch write? I mean, there was no tombstone, there was no grave, right? But um, uh, if there would have been, and there would have been a tombstone, there would have been an unveiling, that's what was to be written on the tombstone of Moshe Rabbeinu, almost. Adam. He was the most humble. Why? Because in order for Moshe Rabbeinu to be Moshe Rabbeinu, he had to be the most humble of people. Because in order, in order to teach about Kavod Hashem, in order to embody or personify the idea that God is found in the world, you have to, you have to think of yourself as being devoid of honor. There's no sharing this idea of kavod. That's why you always need a teacher to show you the kavod Hashem. Because there are other forces, like the Medrash says, the Sahara, that the Sahara wanted to convince, convince uh, 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 Korach to do the wrong things. Rav Nossam has to pinpoint for us exactly where Korach went wrong. What was his mistake? His mistake was that he said, if I have covered, then I'll be able to disseminate covered more easily. If people come to see me, like I have office hours, right? And I have a I have a shaman who helps out, and have somebody else who gives out chalut and kugel, then people will see me as being of great significance. Oh, he said, that's good, that's true, that's mouthless, the mouthless. Kings have a lot of servants and a lot of, a lot of retinue, so that, that you go, go to see the king, you go through layers of people, but by the time you get to the king, you can't recognize anymore whether he's really got something or he doesn't have anything. It's like you've been so overwhelmed. But that's not Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu had to teach the world about Kavod Hashem, was Anav. Meaning that in the world, the world in which Moshe Rabbeinu lived, the only kavod was the kavod of Hashem That's the only place in the world that there was kavod. 
And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu was Anah. Because there was nothing in the world, there was no kavod in the world that interested me. If a person walks with God, right? a person walks with God, so, so is he going to fight about the shoe, the seat that he gets in shoe? Is he going to fight about whether he becomes the president of, of some organization or he's honored at the dinner? I mean, it, it really doesn't make any sense. It's it, it meaningless. There are people like that. There are people who say, no, 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 because they want you to say, you know, the halakha is that when the shul, when you ask somebody to daven, you know, you go with a guy, you say, do you daven the for the others? He's supposed to say no. Like the show that so they just said, so they so yes, we get because you know that when he said no, he didn't really mean it. He only said no because he wants you to ask him again. So he asked him again. And then he says yes. Right? So that's, that's regular people. That's regular people. Who's after all davening shliach tzibur is a kind of a kavod, right? Even though it's also, it's also a service, like you're helping the people out. But you're also you're there by yourself and you're speaking. You, you know, it's like a, it's like a kavod. So, Moshe uh, Rabbeinu the idea of anivut or anava, sorry, the idea of the anava is that there was no room in the world of Moshe Rabbeinu for kavod except for the kavod of HaKadosh Baruch. That's all they want. That's the kavod that they was. So if Moshe Rabbeinu is walking with the glory of God, so he's not going to, does he care who's sitting in the, the seat for the president? I mean, does he care who's being honored in the dinner? Of, uh, of one thing or another, he doesn't care. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't mean anything. The only that means anything is the kavod Hashem. So here, according to Rav Nosu, the mistake that and this is a further development with what Chazal said. The mistake of Rav Nosu was that Rav Nosu said he looked at Moshe Rabbeinu and he didn't get it because he said, "If I have it in me to spread the notion of kavod Hashem, which was correct." According to Rav Nosson, it could have been correct. It was not, uh, wasn't saying anything in the truck. Shmuel was a descendant of Korah, and Shmuel did it, so the Korah should be able to do it. And then he said, So if I have the Korah, I'll be able to spread the Korah. But that's wrong, because him having the cover was a diminution of the cover I shared. But people would come to Korah on the Sunday and say, Oh, Korah, Korah. That he's a guy who has covered. He has some kind of special, special uh, 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 standing before God. So, so you have like a sun and a moon. You know, the moon, the, the moon doesn't have its own light, but it reflects light. It has a separate standing. You say, oh, there's the sun, there's the moon, right? And that's what Korach wanted, and that's why Korach, that's why Korach failed. So you see that the pshat, that the pshat of Rav Nosson is, to my mind, a wonderful pshat. Because he starts out with the raw material that Chazal give us. And he makes it into more than that. And he has, a, he has a, a, a greater vision of what's happening. If you look on Bishvil <coughs> Zeh, he goes on, he says, slide 12. Oh no, we're up to already line 15. 15. The Korach Ta'aba Zeh. He said there were generations of tzaddikim leading up to uh, uh, the, the Levim and the Beit Hamidash and Shmuel and Avi. She yitgalek kavod yitvarach al yadam. The savar 
שהדעת הקדוש שלהם לגלות כבוד יתברך יד נמשך על ידו and his theory was that if they could do it so he must have that potential in him as well he should get all of this honor but since he didn't differentiate this point at the end of the day when we assess Korach, he was a person who was looking for his own cover. Even though he was, clo- he was covering it up in this idea that he was going to spread the cover Shamayim Ba'olam Hazeh. That's what he was going to do. But we know that that's not what Moshe Rabbeinu did. Moshe Rabbeinu did it with Anivut, with Anava. he was so convinced of his own importance that he was willing to take a stand against Moshe Rabbeinu who represented all of the things that he, Korach, thought that he could represent. Okay, so you see you see that uh, the story of Korach is a little bit more complicated than it might be. That Chazal uh, uh, are the ones who try to defend Korach almost, by creating this idea that Korach looked into the generations and saw that Shmuel was his descendant and Shmuel was his descendant and the biology that Korach understood meant that he, Korach, was a man of great significance and he made a mistake he made a mistake in thinking uh, either that as a result as a result he as we said at the beginning that he would live because God wanted him to live and to father these children and his sons would die and he would have to have uh, uh, newer progeny in order to fulfill the prophecy but according to Rashi according to the Medrash his sons fooled him and they were Choser B'Tshuva they, they couldn't understand what their father was doing at the end of the Nekar and God did that and that was the, the end of that story. Rav Nassim starts the story over again from the point when Chazal said that, uh, that Karas saw the future and that he saw Shmuel Levi with his son, was a son of his. And he assumed, therefore, that he, Shmuel Hanavi, he, sorry, that he, Karas, had those qualities in him and that he was really asking for something reasonable. Since Moshe Rabbeinu did not have that progeny. He did not have a future that maintained that standard. But what Korach didn't understand was that Kavod Hashem is a total commitment. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was. He was totally committed to the notion of Kavod Hashem. And, and, uh, and uh, Korach was not because he wanted position. He wanted Kavod. Whereas, in fact, as I told you, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't really have any position. He was not a melech. His children didn't become kings. And he was totally committed to the idea of being with God. That was the anava. That was the humility of, of Moshe Rabbeinu. So Korach was punished 
Not because he was mistaken at first, but because he was mixed up. He got he wasn't able to deal with the kavod factor. It was true that he had the ability, you could see he had the ability to convince people of things, to spread the notion of kavod Hashem, that God's glory is in the world, but he wasn't able to detach it from kavod atzmi, from the kavod that I'm going to get, that, I am, that I'm going to have. If you look in Hasidus, you know, there are two kinds of... Uh, uh, well, not more than two kinds, but you could say that Hasidish and Rebbeim are divided into two categories, the rich and the poor. There are, there are Hasidish and Rebbeim who, who made poverty into a, an enterprise. You know, that's what they They're poor. There's nothing they can do. You know, they're always going to be poor. And then there are Hasidish and Rebbeim who think that if you have gold foil wallpaper, that, you, uh, that you're in the right direction. And here you see, you see that these are, there are responses, like the rebellion. Not so about that personally, I don't know anything about that. But they, that for Am Yisrael, obviously both of them are needs. Like we have needs. We want kings. We want people who, who wear the, the garments, the, uh, you know, the, the, those fancy clothes, the fancy clothing that, that kings wear. And we also want people who are not affected by gold and silver. Right? That we usually call that poverty, right? It's hard to be not affected by gold and silver if you have a lot of gold and silver. But poverty is a good way to see. So, so both kinds of leadership is necessary. But if we talk about the leadership that spreads the notion of Kavod Hashem, right, that leadership should be modeled on Moshe Rabbeinu, who had nothing and was, uh, was the most humble of people because he always had in his mind's eye the presence that he was in the presence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Have a good shot. What? To the Medrash. Then everything went down, you know, when he was swallowed up. He was also, all of his riches were swallowed up. He was rich? Yeah.